Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. In the City of Angels, Los Angeles, and from the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the caregiver's caregiver, at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Guberg at thecaregiverspace.org. And we're also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks on 26 global audio and video platforms. Platforms like iHeartRadio and iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, CastBox, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Play FM. I mean, it goes on and on. I'm not going to bore you. In fact, we are voted number one podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and number two on Feedspot and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Glenn Dunsweiler, I hope I'm saying that right. You are. Is a nice work. Thank you. Filmmaker, producer, and social entrepreneur who focuses on socially responsible entertainments. Glenn will speak on how do you remain successful when the world around you changes. Well, that is sure happening today, ain't it? Entrepreneurial skills for an unpredictable life and his latest book. But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Michelle Willett. Stress is optional. Learn several simple strategies to to dissolve upsets in 30 seconds or less. That's right, 30 seconds or less. Because you deserve a peaceful caregiving experience. And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews, including this one on our membership website, caregiverdave.com or any of the other 26 global networks I mentioned earlier. All right, enough of that. Glenn, welcome to the Caregiver Dave Show. We're so excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. Hey, I always like to ask my guests, just who is Glenn Dunsweiler and why was he placed on this earth? Uh, When I was younger, I really gravitated towards reading that book, The Catcher in the Rye. And the idea that someone was in the field trying to catch people from jumping off a cliff really appealed to me. (laughs) And so I didn't realize it, but I kind of position myself to to do that and that really um just inspires me so i i've made a lot of failings in life and instead of me just burying those i bear those and let people hopefully learn from those experiences and find out the solutions i've come up with that got me out of those fixes or got me out of that trouble did you consider yourself suicidal at that time fortunately never and i yeah. think that i think that that mental stability has really helped me, and I've been really fortunate to have that because I know some people just are not blessed with that stability. That's such an interesting book that keeps coming up, you know, in the news. Like when uh, who was it who tried to kill the president? Uh, that was the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I promise I'm not a serial killer or a, <laughs> I, I just a can't get the connection. I mean, I don't really know what the book's about, but I don't. Have you read it, Adrian? What the Catcher in the Rye? Yeah. What's Long time ago, What's I can't. 
So it centers around it. Complicated. I mean, I was I was sixteen when I read it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Don't right. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast. (laughs) No, it centers around a a really troubled teen, but Mm. but the idea is he feels wrongly, but he feels that his his job is to um, prevent other children from being as as hurt as he was and so i mean it's kind of this idea this dream of his but that dream really gravitated toward me and in, in older life i thought yeah that's what i want to do <laughs> like like a vigilante kind of almost for yeah for it, the positive side of vigilantism right? non-violent vigilante yeah absolutely absolutely all right so All I remember from Castro in the Rye is where do the ducks go in the winter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where do they go? <laughs> so how do you you're an entrepreneur, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so it's always good for an entrepreneur to teach other people how to be an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. uh, I always make the joke, you know, if you're getting marriage counseling, do you want it from a marriage counselor who's divorced? If you're getting counseling to stay out of bankruptcy, do you want a, a bankruptcy attorney who's went bankrupt three times himself? Uh, I guess there's arguments on both sides of the story. But me, I personally would rather have somebody who's getting a divorce because they've been through all of the nasty stuff. They can navigate through the man- landmines and so with, uh, with the divorce. So yeah. uh, you've uh, had the good, the bad and the ugly of entrepreneurialism, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was not born into business. And so I had the mindset of an employee. Both my parents were teachers. And I had that mindset that if you wanted to earn money, you went and got an education and then someone gave you money for that education. And if you wanted more money, you went and got a higher education and then someone gave you more money for that (laughs) education. But money was always something that no one ever gave you enough of. And and I found that to be very limiting and so in 2015, I came to LA to learn the business side of entertainment and started learning from a lot of entrepreneurs about what money really is and how it really works and how it can work for you and how you can give value and how, how you can give joy to people. And that's understanding what people will pay you for and trying to yeah. figure that out and position yourself for that. So that all of that is so valuable, uh, Where did and especially what I do. Say that again? Where did you come from? Um, I'm originally from Sacramento, California, oh, and then Sacramento. I yeah, and then I bounced around the United States for a while, and then landed in Southern California in 2000, but specifically Los Angeles in 2015. So, how do you find your energy or inspiration through catastrophe and hardship, like many caregivers have had? Yeah, I was thinking about that specifically for your audience. And really, it's trying to find what your joy is, because if you have, you have, you know this, but you have to take care of yourself so you can take care of others, right? Right. And I think as caregivers, we sometimes take care of others first, and we don't take care of ourselves. So you have to find that light. What is that joy for you? And then you have to figure out how, how you can give joy to others. And especially you were talking about how people that have to shift from, let's say, having a job to now full-time caregiving, how do they make money now that they aren't trading time for their, their, for money, where their time is now in caregiving? And, and really, it's about trying to find a product that you can give that gives people joy that they're willing to pay for that you can then scale. And instead of giving your time, you're scaling that product, right? And so yeah. it's 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 really a it's a shift from that time for money conundrum or 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 employee shift into 
kind of this entrepreneur business side of right. what product can I offer that will sustain me as my time is given up caring for this person? Yeah. You know, Adrian and I were talking before the show about the attitude and the mentality of entrepreneurialism. And I brought up my granddaughter as a, an example of a year and a half ago, just before the pandemic started, I co-signed on a lease for a uh, hair salon mm-hmm. that she spent, you know, uh, well, I spent about 25 grand, you know, getting it in shape. And, and then the pandemic came and uh, we saved a lot of money by doing it all ourselves. It's probably worth 50,000, you know, in labor of sure, what we sure. did. But um, the first year and a half was uh, pretty good, actually. You know, it made a profit. And this, this year now, because California, you know, they're just crazy. They're, they changed the, the salon rules and, and hairdressers now can work from their home. And that was always a no-no. You can right. get your license for that. And now it's hard to get people in. Uh, you know, she rents the chairs out. So it's uh, really, she can be an absentee owner. She's a hairdresser herself. So um, the chairs were basically uh, breaking even. And then whatever she did was profit for her. And now, you know, she lost two chairs, two people, and they're hard to get uh, replaced because people, well, I'm working from home, you know, and this and that. And I told her, you know, I owned a gas station uh, for since 1979. I, my whole family are entrepreneurs and she's actually run the station for me. She's a very good entrepreneur. I think she's got what it takes. Sure. She's getting real. I don't know if I want to do this. You know, <laughs> I, I hate I says, listen, many times I worked for $2 an hour. My employees were making more money than me. And right. many times I didn't know how I was going to pay everybody the payroll. You know, sometimes you got to take out loans and, and, you know, just uh, hope and pray to God that, you know, this all turns around. And now with gas prices, just going to the moon, it's margins tend to shrink when prices go up and they tend to expand when, when prices come down. And I was just trying to tell her that, you know, you need to hang in there and, if because you had the the passion at one time, you just kind of lost it. And she went through a separation with her, <laughs> the father of her uh, child, you know, and just got a lot of emotional things on her plate. Yeah, yeah. And caregivers are in the same boat, you know. They're making uh, unwise decisions when they've got a lot of emotions swirling around. How do you separate the emotions from the logic when you got to make a decision? Yeah, and I think that that is you have to find the light at the end of your tunnel. Whether it's every day you get to do this at some place, some point to clear your head. And I think that to clear your head and to find, I call it the happy place, right? You have to find the happy place in your head because everything entrepreneurially starts from inspiration in the happy place. You can't be a cynic and be an entrepreneur. So you have to be, if you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to be, you have to enjoy life. You have to enjoy that 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 obstacle course that I call life. And so I think it's, even if you're inundated, my, my mother for the last six months of her life was in a wheelchair. So it was all of a sudden my family became caregivers and I was down South. And so I was doing what I could, but when you come up, you know, you're in it every day and you have to figure out, okay, when can I clear my head? Cause if I can't clear my head, I can't move forward. And I think that's, if it's, 10 minutes a day, if it's 15 minutes a day, it's something you have to look forward to for yourself is the key. You know, otherwise you get bound into the world that you're supporting. But it's a mentality. Not everybody can be an entrepreneur, right? Some people just freak out not knowing 
you know, the uncertainty of getting a paycheck every single week. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's the tricky part about caregivers, right? I think an entrepreneur is a, is a life choice. People can say, well, I know my, my, uh, my, um, my employment friends, my employee friends would say, I'm not good at selling. Well, when I became an entrepreneur, guess what? I had to become good at selling. <laughs> so there's no excuse. It's a, you better shift your mindset. And I think that if you are having to be a caregiver out of necessity, then you better figure out a way to shift your mind. And, and there, there, there are many different ways. You know, we, we, we make fun of kind of the LA lifestyle, the life coaches, the people that are, that are doing yoga, the people that are, you know, <laughs> finding their path or what, whatever it may be. But honestly, I think it comes out of this, this crazy world in Los Angeles. It's crazy business model. And people are trying to find their inspiration and trying to find a way to get through, to cut through all of the mess that's around them. And I think that caregivers will probably do better to do that as well. It's not just LA. <laughs> I'm in New York. It's a madhouse. <laughs> what well, is when 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 your life outside of you is unstable, it you can either give into it or you can try to take control of it and do the best you can to take control of it. And and there are outside influences. I rode a mo- ride a motorcycle, rode a motorcycle on January 5th. I thought oh. I had it down. January oh. 5th, I got hit by a car and it tossed me and all of a sudden now I'm in disability world myself, all alone in Los Angeles, thinking, okay, how do I make this work? And you can't get, you can't let that negativity get to you or it will overtake you. So that's, yeah, there is no choice. You have to be happy. <laughs> so true. So true. Um, is, is there like a litmus test for entrepreneurs to, to determine? Um, whether they are uh, one or not, would you say? Yeah, I think that there, there are things that people naturally come with. And if you are a good people person, and if you are good at uh, inspiring the people around you, you are a born entrepreneur, right? In other words, or, a leader, or, right? Uh, right. Or, born leader, or on the bad side, you're a born sociopath and you're... <laughs> Right. But, but really you, you, that, that, that's the quality that you need because you have to inspire confidence in the people around you because they need you to have confidence, right? Uh, investors need you to be confident about the great idea that you're putting forth in front of them because they need their money to grow and they need you to have the answer to grow their money. And you have to be that person. And the employees that you hire need you to be that successful business owner so they can have a paycheck, so they have stability to raise right. their family. And I think that's there are innate people that have that confidence and it is internal confidence. It's believing in yourself and believing in your own value and believing that you yeah. can push the walls around you to influence for better. And uh, I, I think it can be learned, but it's better. Yeah. If it comes intuitively. Yeah. And should, I, they, should they ask other people? Cause other people can tell if they are or aren't as well. No. Well, and I also think other people have their own agendas and can shut you down. So you have to be really aware. I think entrepreneurs also don't listen to other people. <laughs> that's what makes them good. <laughs> well, like a trusted mentor, for example. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's it's building that trust. You know, I I realized that I grew up with a father that always just yeah. was a, not telling me I wasn't worth 
being the guy in the center, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The way he did, he didn't do it pers- uh, intentionally, but he just did. That was the way I grew up. And so trying to unwrap that and, or I, ha- I at one point was married and my, my wife was an, always a lifelong employee and she would just tear down every idea I ever had and say, yeah. you can't be around people that just tear you down all the time. Yeah. And so I, I really believe in my granddaughter and her ability to be an entrepreneur because I would allow her to run my station. And she was, she's, she could be a great manager running it. She could be a great owner running it. Uh, and so that's why I took the risk of signing on the lease and putting up the money and all that stuff. But right. um, I think she's just going through an emotional breakup. It's Absolutely. like a divorce, you know, and, Absolutely. And, and it's just, you know, she has to get her head clear and not, make a decision that she may re- regret later because yeah, I don't think she'll be happy working for anybody. I remember when she worked for a uh, May company and for this other pay. Oh, I hate my supervisor. He's a real jerk. You know, he's just coming on. Like, he doesn't like me, you know, and he's, he's, he's making life miserable. You know, who needs that? Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that runs an entertainment staging company in, in Sacramento. So it was lights and sound and staging for live entertainment. And when COVID hit, I mean, that's his business is life. It's been his life. And a lot of people in entertainment just lost their jobs and then, you know, put their hand out and the government kind of subsidized them to yeah. live. But he, his expenses were too high. And instead of just saying, I'm dead, he pivoted and he said, what can yeah. I do? And part of his staging was making props and whatnot. So he, he got his, he got his shop um, ability to make uh, sneeze guards. Like full size sneeze, custom sneeze guards, oh. uh, you know, and, and so that's how he, ever thought. yeah, that's how he survived. And now he, he fell into this manufacturing where he, he makes Damn. kind of custom cutouts, metal cutouts for people. Mm-hmm. It's like art. So wall yeah. art or design art and all of that because of COVID and his, his business is taking off because that business is more robust than entertainment will ever be entertainment. I remember is- when I needed one for the gas station, I would have paid anything. Just tell me your price. I just need them. And I want them to yeah. look like this, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. And so, yes. Yeah, great. Adrian, I'm sorry. I cut you off. What were you going to say? I just wanted to uh, ask your opinion about not just having confidence, but being able to create your own structure. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. And, that I think that when I first started in, in Los Angeles trying to figure out the business side, I realized very quickly I needed a business coach because I had no business. <laughs> I had no business learning in me at all. And I needed information on how to build a business. And so I think you need that structure. You need those models. And then you need to learn which model is going to work for you specifically. Because I went through famously, you know, sharing my failures, I went through seven or eight successful business models and grabbed pieces and parts from others because they would all invariably not work for me. They work for someone else. <laughs> you know, you have to, you, you, you need that structure. You need the, the, that, that guidance. How did you come out of that? Uh, that I'm sorry, I cut you off again, Adrian. <laughs> I was one of those people, um, I was an, I'm an artist, and my, my mother wanted me to be an art teacher. 
mm-hmm. and that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I ended up as an entrepreneur. I had my own boutique ad agency in the fashion trades and I had had jobs, uh, but I did find as an entrepreneur having clients, every client is a boss <laughs> and you have well, to know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they, they're the boss, but at the same time, you have to have respect for yourself because your client will walk all over you if you let them, Absolutely. or if, if you set up those boundaries, you set up that relationship of giving and taking, you know, Hey, I need, I want to give you what you need and you want me to give you what you need. And you, you navigate that with respect it works out. But I, I know I've heard of people that just let themselves get walked over by their clients. Yeah. And then they, it's not sustainable. You can't get walked on. <laughs> you just can't. No, I, I, I always, they always thought they knew exactly what they wanted. Right. And I knew what they should have. <laughs> and when I made a presentation, I would give them what they wanted what I thought they should have and could really support. And then something that was in the middle. Yeah. So there would always be the three so that they saw that I would compromise. Yeah. And you're building trust, right? When when someone wants something from you, they want to trust you as well, but they need evidence of that trust. (laughs) And that goes both ways. How do you find what you can offer the world well, that they are willing to pay for you. Oh, no, did I say that right? How do you find what, you're, what you can offer the world that they are willing to pay you for? Yeah. 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 And I think going back to your co-host, I'm sorry, I cannot remember your name right now. Please remind Adrian. me. Adrian. Adrian. So Adrian's an artist. Is someone going to pay her to be an artist as an entrepreneur? Maybe, but she needs to fit into something that people are looking for. So fashion, all right? People are looking for fashion. How can I infuse my artistic ability into this world where people are already looking for a product? And I think that that's a perfect example, right? Um, where, where hardcore artists, so I, I grew up with hardcore artists and being a hardcore artist, and mm-hmm. we, we, we are taught that, that poverty is legitimacy, right? And never settling. <laughs> there's commercial art and then there's fine arts. Right. Well, and, you know, it, fine art isn't necessarily sustainable. It's a huge risk. And sometimes artists can dictate what they want and make that also what people want. But yeah. for the most part, it's a compromise. And so I think really when you are finding what thing, what, what you can offer the world that they're willing to pay you for, you have to figure out first what they're willing to pay for. Trying to create an industry is the hardest <laughs> industry. So if you can go into one that already exists and fit yourself in and modify it, I think that is the, the best approach. Um, yeah. Does that I, answer? Remembered, I remembered what I wanted to say. Uh, <laughs> so is this, is this statement true? The customer is always right. Even when the customer is wrong, he's always right. Because you said the customer is, is your boss. The client is your boss. Right. I think the customer, as long as the customer leads with respect and you lead with respect, the customer is right. The customer needs what they need and 
they're hiring you to give them what they need. Maybe you know better, but you also need to listen to what their needs are and not dictate them. So in a way, yes. they're ready to buy, uh, the sale is closed and you're still selling because you know they're not buying the right thing. What what would a uh, moral entrepreneur do? Well, and I think Adrian gave an example. She gave exactly what they wanted, a compromise and what she thought was best, right? And somewhere it's in between. And and as long as they know that you're working for them, when I, I my previous work, I was a designer for a live entertainment, lighting and sound designer. So I'm always talking to a director and a director may not know exactly what they want, but they know what's wrong, right? And so your idea they don't is you give them something and then they say, that's not right. And then you have to ask them, respectfully why they think it's not right and then in those answers are the 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 path to the actual idea uh-huh. that is right for them a designer no matter what you do as a designer i mean i i could design radio but i would need somebody to figure out how to make it work and yeah. manufacture it maybe i could design it so but not engineer it but not engineer it. And you, that way you need to know what your limits are and when to go to somebody else. Right. Don't take it all on yourself. Right. Cynicism is a bad habit that I have sometimes because, you know, how do you, how are you not cynicism in this world we're living in, you know, with our politicians and, and just, uh, you know, all the promises, the broken promises, how do we, I don't know, mute cynicism, yeah, it's definitely a trap. And I grew up with it. And it's a part it's all I, I say it's all throughout my brain. And so trying to even compartmentalize it into one spot is difficult. Uh, but I just always go to my happy and inspiration place, right? That's the way I've combated it. And everybody's minds are different. And they work differently. But cynicism is a trap. And cynicism you want your employees to be cynical because they need to tell you when something's not going to practically work. <laughs> but you as the idea maker, you as the entrepreneur, you as the person selling the bigger idea to the people that are investing in you, you can't be cynical. You have to always look at the good story. You have to sell the good story. And sometimes you can get trapped in selling the good story and not being able to back it up and not preparing your employees and setting them up to fail right? Because you're promising something that in no way they can deliver. You're promising a radio that looks a certain way, but the engineer's like, I can't fit anything into that, you know? So you have to, you have to also balance that. But I think cynicism is just ultimately a trap. And the only way that I have gotten it out of my head is I just constantly, it starts to creep in. I get out, get out, go happy. (laughs) So we're running out of time. We forgot about maybe four minutes left. So I want you to talk about your book and anything else that we didn't cover that you'd like to cover. Sure, sure, sure. So I am a storyteller and Adrian was talking about, well, what do you do and how, how does that fit into the greater world? And so what I found as an entrepreneur is I have different stories that I want to tell and products that work best to tell those stories. So I wrote two books, one, I've done extensive work with the homeless. So I first made a documentary called um, Why Homeless. It's about homelessness in in the US that's on Amazon Prime. And then I wrote a book called Things I've Learned from the Homeless. And then my second book is A Degree in Homelessness, Entrepreneurial Skills for Students, because I see students just buying into this education that 
gets them trapped once they get to graduate. They don't right. know how to make money. Uh, so uh, those are some things that I do. And then I, I, I'm in Los Angeles and I'm around amazing performers. So I've got this um, storytelling event called Frank, uh, Honest Stories, No Rules. And that's going to start back up now that we're getting out of COVID. And that's an exciting time for me. Uh, so yeah, I'm my, my website is glendunsweiler.com. If you can spell my last name, you can get to me. <laughs> Spelling my last, last name is is the trick. D-U-N-Z-W-E-I-L-E-R. But uh, if you type in a degree in homelessness, you'll find me. If you type in, if you look on Why Homeless on Amazon Prime, the documentary, you'll find me. And then from there, it's just real easy. Speaking of documentaries, my filmmaker who is making a film of my life uh, just called and says, Dave, I just got the rough cut. I'm watching it. It's amazing. It's, it's rejuvenated my vision and, and that this is the right movie and you know, they're going to walk away with the right feeling and now I'm going to send it to Hollywood nice. and uh, you know, have my Hollywood uh, editor you know, edit it. And I says, well, can I, can I watch it first? He goes, no, I don't want you to watch it. I want you to see the final product. And, and so I was thinking, well, it's kind of like a book. You don't want anyone to read the rough cut draft of your book. You want them to see the final product. Do you agree with that? Am I, should I not see the, I think cut? your filmmaker is taking a risk and their filmmaker better know you really well, because I would hate to make a final cut sending to LA doing that whole process and have you not like something in it. Again, I think you are the customer, whether or not, well, I don't know what the deal is, but it's your life. You have to be happy. And I think- Well, it's his film. It's his film. He's, he's been around me for 25 hours, following me around, filming and everything. And yeah. um, uh, you know, I've seen the storyboard. I, I approve of everything that he's doing. I trust him. Good. And even the final cut is, is a final rough. You know. Okay. Then, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd say if you feel good about it, it's good. I, again, going back to me as a designer working for directors, I never wanted to surprise my director. I tried to do that a couple of times who did not work out too well. So I would not, I, I personally would not surprise you, but I don't know where he's at in the process or they are at he, she, I don't know. It's an independent. He, yeah. So I don't know where they're at in the process. I don't know where you're at. So I, as long as you're, you're good with it. Yeah, his Good. plan is to send it to multiple film festivals. Got it. Good. What else? What else didn't we talk about that you would like to talk about? Um, just, just a button on caregiving. You know, I, I think it's really, as you know, it's just a mental struggle. Uh, and pulling yourself out of that mental struggle to do something that inspires you is so important whether or not you need to make money or not i know that when i was taking care of my my mother when when my especially when my family was taking care of my mother it was so much on yeah. all of us and i think that that entrepreneurial spirit can only help you so if you can tap into that in any way using the tools entrepreneurs use or finding the inspiration that entrepreneurs use you'll only be better off. Yeah. Well, I can't believe how fast this time has gone today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. How thanks can, for uh, listeners reach you or buy your book? Uh, so Amazon, everything's on Amazon, just mm. easy. Uh, and they can reach me at my website, 
GlennDunsweiler.com. Spell Dunsweiler. D-U-N. Z is in zebra. W-E-I-L-E-R. And Glenn with one N. Very good. There's a lot to remember with your name. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy one. And and you can reach Adrian at uh, the the caregiverspace.org or the Facebook at the same name, caregiverspace. And I am at uh, caregiverdave.com and Facebook, same name, caregiverdave. And uh, our website is a free membership support community, lots of tools, resources, free gifts, as well as um, uh, my Facebook page with the same name. Um, Adrian has chat rooms and lots of support on her site, caregiverspace.org, or rather her Facebook page. I think that's where the chat chat rooms are. And please, please click the like button on whatever platform you're watching, listening to this interview on. It helps us reach even more caregivers by improving Google search engine algorithms. So again, all my listeners out there, thanks all over the world for making us the number one caregiver podcast on the internet. Um, look for our podcast on your favorite platform or on caregiverdave.com. Until next week, same time, same channel. May God richly bless you. Bye-bye. Anytime we suffer loss, we grieve. And a lot of people don't realize what even the grief process is. But it could be five to seven steps ranging from denial. I don't believe this is happening. Anger. Oh my gosh, I'm so upset this is happening. To a form of bargaining, how can I get out of this? To depression, which is a very serious thing because that often leads to suicide. And then finally, finally, after you realize you have no more control over your situation and you're totally okay with the new normal that it brings, that wonderful, wonderful place called acceptance. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again.